on this episode of the Africa Whisperer. It was his idea to go through that process and he was like, he's familiar with it, he's done it before and it'll take nothing for him to do that. And he did all of that paperwork and legwork that I didn't even know how to navigate. Hey, I'm Lee Kasumba and this is our journey across Africa. Navigating the intricate landscapes of business, culture and global influence from the African perspective. So, Wendy, I'm really excited to have you on the Africa Whisperer. I normally try to introduce people off the top of my head, but for the sake of not embarrassing myself, (laughs) you know, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to read this because I really feel that um, everything you've done. Don't read the full thing. I beg you. No, don't read the full thing. No, no, no. Don't worry. Okay. (laughs) No, trust me. Okay. So I wrote something. I wrote something about you that I want to share. Right. Um, So you're an aerospace engineer by day, fitness enthusiast by in the evening and an aspiring DJ at night. According to you, (laughs) I think I'm a little bit closer to becoming a DJ than you, but it's all good. You're also an author. You got a PhD at the age of 26, the first black woman to get a PhD in aerospace engineering. Um, You're an associate project manager at NASA. You're an inventor, an author, a wife, a mother. You've mentored 10 to 20 people um, that you actually meet with. You're a keynote speaker and you've just really stepped on so many stages and you're such an advocate for diversity and inclusion in the STEM fields. And I just think that you're like a phenomenal person. So I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Welcome to the Africa Whisperer. Lee, thank you so much. I am happy to be here and thank you for listing out all those accolades, but it takes a village and I do truly believe that I stand on the shoulders of giants. So thank you. And talking about taking a village, you're a proper Niger babe, in case people forgot. She's there eating her yam. She's in it. What are you saying? (laughs) What are you saying? For sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, I think I eat more Nigerian food than anything else. Like I, yesterday I was picking beans to wash beans out to potentially make a carrot this weekend. I don't know if you've had that. It's like this like fried bean cake that you wash the skin off and then you blend it and you put some, you know, bell peppers yeah. or whatever you want, you season it and you eat it and you eat it with bread or hey. like pop ogi. So that's what I'm going to enjoy myself this weekend with just akara, you know? So, oh yeah, proper Nigeria. You're making people hungry just listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, um, Wendy, um, I just wanted to, you know, I think that it's so important that we set the context of, of where you actually come from, because, you know, more often than not, people who look like you, who are from Nigeria, they don't expect you to be in the stages and the positions that you have been. But just so people understand, you were actually, were you born and raised in Nigeria? You went to school there. What's that backstory? Yeah, so, I mean, 100%, right, in that. Nigeria and living there and being there and going to school that really laid the foundation for mm-hmm. for the person that I am today. And because the mm-hmm. story, you know, I've t- I told, you know, Lee, we, we talked a couple of years ago and things changed yeah. just based on, it's the same story, but my interpretation and understanding of it really changes based on where I am in my life. So mm-hmm. I have two kids now and we're going through, you know, my husband and I are going through the whole understanding the school system in America and all of that and realizing that the foundation we had in Nigeria, mm-hmm. you know, for school, primary school, elementary school, I mean, high school, middle school was so solid, right? Really, yeah. really solid in comparison to what's here versus college, mm-hmm. so university, like the academic quality 
for these schools, like, you know, on the continent in Africa, changes in comparison to, you know, college and university. So schools are so much better there, but when you get to university, they're not as good. Mm. But here it's the opposite. The schools aren't as great, but college is good. So, you know, living there in Nigeria, going to school, I, I thought I was a regular kid. You know, we had homework. We were learning things that now that I reflect on it in comparison to what I see here, we're more advanced, right? Mm -hmm. Do you remember reciting the times table at three and four? Yes. You, yes. yes. That yeah. is very advanced in comparison to what kids here wow. do. So I'm wow. saying that to remind people that even though you feel like you may have seemingly humble beginnings and being a place growing up somewhere like Nigeria, you mm -hmm. might be more advanced than you can imagine. Mm -hmm. So don't put those limits on yourself, right? Don't really, yeah. don't, don't put those limits on yourself. So Nigeria, babe, um, moved to college at, uh, moved to Texas for college at 16 and just got mm -hmm. thrust in and immersed into the American, you know, way of life, academic culture and, you know, and psyche. Yeah. No, I really love that. And I love yeah. the fact that you said the context for education in Nigeria. I find that within the continent, more often than not, the primary school and, and high school or, and that kind of thing, it's really so solid. And, you know, you're, you're relied, like students have to work so much harder, which is, we really have like something great going on in the continent. Um, yes. now, now just... In, in terms of the background and so forth, you when you started studying um, at the University of Arlington in Texas, if I'm correct, right? Um, yeah, University you, of Texas I, at Arlington. University of Texas, Arlington. <laughs> um, you know, you were like in the engineering classes, you would have been one of the one of the two to three women that were in the class. And then you were also the only black um, girl that was in the class in general. Do you feel that coming from Nigeria, you didn't really see limitations? You just kind of saw opportunities. How did that help you in terms of just being able to put to go through when there was almost there was like basically no one who looked like you in the classes? A hundred percent, a hundred percent, you know, and Africans, we're resilient people, right? Because mm -hmm. we've seen hardship, Lee, we've seen struggles, <laughs> we've seen suffer, you know, Which even, one? even if you, yeah, <laughs> you've seen, you know, you've seen things and even if you are privileged, right, on the continent, mm -hmm. you've still seen struggle. You still, mm -hmm. you know, you've been around, you can live in a mansion and come and drive five minutes away from you and you see poverty. Um, mm -hmm. So I didn't see, because again, another thing was I was... You know, I went to school with people that were all black in primary school, high school, mm. but they were all Nigerian. I didn't see color. I didn't see anything like that. And then when I went to college and I was one of only maybe two black people starting out freshman year, I know I can tell I was the only black woman in my graduating mm. class in mechanical and aerospace engineering. Yeah. There wasn't there was another one. Yeah. Um, and so when you're just used to not seeing color, you just see people. And I just mm. saw people and their quirks and all of that. And mm. I wouldn't get those reminders that I was black unless someone did something, right? I didn't, mm. I didn't see it. I was just focused on, you know, getting good grades and getting my A's and potentially getting an internship. I was usually just focused on the next step. It was the next mm. thing for me. Um, but, mm. we're, you know, Africans, we're resilient because we have no choice. Yeah. If you fail out, what, what are you going to do? I mean, your parents aren't going to, you're not a trust fund baby. You got to exactly. <laughs> You got to figure it out. So yeah. I did. And also more often than not, you know, um, you, you're carrying so many other people's dreams on your shoulders. So it's not just about you because a lot of sacrifices have been made. Yes. You, yeah. I, I, li yeah. I like the way you describe that. You're carrying other people's dreams on your shoulders. 
Mm. I just got, you know, I just got goosebumps. Like our, our mothers, mm. especially, just sacrifice mm. so much, and you must go to school, and you must do this, and you just can't. It's so many dreams you're carrying that you cannot even allow <laughs> a mm. potential setback. Yeah. You know, the thought of a setback or even an actual setback deter you mm -hmm. because you're going to be an aerospace engineer and that's what you told your family and that's what your family told their extended family and that's what your you. aunties and uncles around the world that's what they know so your mom is not going to come back yeah. and update all those people that you didn't do aerospace engineering again who are you gonna no you're, she's not doing that you're doing that aerospace go 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 yeah. go do it whatever it takes so yeah carry <laughs> Yeah, so you're standing on the shoulders of giants, but you're carrying the dreams of giants with you as well. That. Yeah. And you know, um, through all this time, I mean, one of the things that really made you almost go viral, um, I saw an interview where you spoke about how you never have to pay for interviews. You never have to pay for that. People just gravitate towards you, which is such a blessing. But one of the things that did kind of blow you out internationally was when everybody found out that you were the first black woman to get a PhD in aerospace engineering. Um, and from my school. Yeah. From your school. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and I, love, I love the backstory because I, did you actually intend to do it? Or I think that there was a change in the Obama administration, which meant that you had more time to study. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like I said, I like to focus on the next thing. It's the next thing and the mm. next thing, right? So I didn't mm. I didn't start out my undergraduate years, my freshman year saying, I'm going to get a PhD in aerospace engineering. That wasn't it. I was like, okay, I'm mm. going to become an aerospace engineer. And when I graduate, I'm going to wear my mm. high heels and work a nice corporate job and look cute, you know, dreams. That doesn't happen, right? You're in the trenches in corporate, right? So in 2009, when there was a change, when the Obama administration came in 2008, 2009, they decided to go the route of making the space um, industry more commercial and privatizing quite a lot, you know, a bit of it. And so they really kind of mm -hmm. shrunk down what, you know, they felt was going to be the government's role in space, right? Let the government focus mm -hmm. on more the research and development and then the actual transportation and carrying astronauts to space or to the International Space Station or potentially visiting the moon. Let that be on just like airlines, right? So the airspace yeah. is regulated by the government, but it's airlines that carry. It's not the government that's going to take you from point A to point B. It's a private airline. That was the model that they were mm -hmm. trying to work towards. And so mm -hmm. I thought I was going to work, graduate in 2010 and start working with my bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering. But when that happened, the people that I thought I was going to work for um, started to retract the offers of the my previous mm -hmm. set that had gotten offers. They took People mm -hmm. that had offers, they had them taken back. And I was in shock because I talked, that wasn't my situation. I still had a year. So I was like, wow, that sucks. But then my school also opened up this bachelor's to PhD program that basically mm -hmm. said, if your grades are really good and you're really smart, you can skip mm -hmm. the master's and go get a PhD and they'll pay for it. Amazing. So I was like, oh, for real? Yeah. You know, so yeah. I was like, okay, say nothing, right? I'm pulling up. And, and, and I did that. So they paid via like a, a teaching assistantship. So I was a teaching assistant. I was a TA, you know, helping students with their grades and um, their homeworks and projects and things like that, basically supplementing teachers, professors, uh, curriculum instruction for undergraduate students. So I did that. So I basically had to work and they paid for me to go to school, my tuition and paid me a stipend as well. I got a stipend of how much was it at the time? Over 2K at the time, you know, I think mean, it, was, it was solid, right? A monthly stipend. Money. 
yeah that's good money you know for as graduate student i was what 21 at the time so i did that but then i also got an opportunity i applied for a fellowship which was an external mm. thing that really just give, does the same for you, gives you the money, pays your tuition, pays everything, but you don't have to work as a teaching assistant. So you can fo mm. focus fully on your research, right, and, and school and all of that. So that's how I was able to pay the first couple of years, my university paid the last three years, this fellowship mm. called the National Defense Science and Engineering Graduate Fellowship, administered by the U.S. Department of Defense, very competitive, like Amazing. very competitive, you know, around the entire United States. I got that and got that stipend. I was able to go, you know, the last three years of my PhD, just focusing on research and doing, doing what I wanted to do. And that's just such a story. I think even like, you know, from your book and hearing you speak and just the little bit that I know about you, it really is a reflection of, of your, of the way that you are. It's almost like it's something that's instilled in your life where you consistently look at a different opportunity. You're consistently like, let me reevaluate. Let me, let me yes. relook at this. You know, you, 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 yes. you look at everything through so many lenses. And I think that's a yes. lesson that so many of us can learn when disappointment hits, yes. just be like, okay, what is the opportunity in this? You know, just because you get a no, doesn't mean that that's your, I quit, right? Because before mm. you quit, there's so many, many, many things you can try. I, in the book, I highlight this example of when I wasn't doing too well in a class with a professor mm. and he, uh, called me and so we were in his office i think and you know he was asking me why i wasn't doing well and he said mm. i thought you would be you know like the trevor of this class trevor was one year ahead of me and was like the top of the class right the brilliant student in the class and it was like i thought you'd be the trevor of this class what's going on and i was initially flattered right i was like oh yeah. you know me you know like you, yeah. you know you thought i'd be the trevor and th that's pretty cool um but i told him i said it's it's just not working um, in the, at this time I had a 4.0 GPA. I'd never gotten a B. I'd gotten all A's in everything. And this no, was like my third year, yeah. I think. And so I told him, you go through the material so quickly. There's no time for me to ask questions. And when we asked for like a special dedicated problem solving session in class, you say your TA. And all she did was come and copy and paste questions onto the board. And how am I supposed to learn like that? I, I was so uninhibited. Like I said, it's just not working. I'm I, I said, I'm turned mm. off. The exact words I use, Lee, I said, I'm turned off in your class. <laughs> God wow. help me. I'm not that person. <laughs> I'm not that person anymore. Oh but I was, I was so bold. I said, I'm turned off in your class. And so yeah. he did two things. You know, he, he said, you know, he understood. But then he recommended an additional textbook for me. That was a textbook that was in the syllabus. You know, the, the textbook didn't help either. So, but that was textbook that was in the syllabus at like the top page of the syllabus. But who, which student is going to buy the textbook for her class and then buy additional textbooks? We don't do that. We don't think exactly. of that, right? So when we're struggling, yeah. we just struggle through it. So he recommended that I look at that textbook and I went and I got, I got it from the library. I didn't even have to pay for it. I, I don't know if my library mm. had it, but I checked the libraries of my sister's school. My sister was in med mm. school at the time. I checked her library. I checked mm -hmm. my best friend's library. My best friend was in the University of Houston at the time. So like I knew the libraries of people I knew more than they knew them themselves. I checked all these libraries and I got that wow. book for free. I got them to rent the book for me. And two people got an A in that class, me and someone else. Because mm -hmm. I, you know, I got, I got that help. So there are so many opportunities anyway. Google, even till today, Lee, I Google everything, everything, mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. If I, if I were to start like the ways and opportunities and things I found Googling stuff, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, I, that's a conversation for offline, but Lee, we can, we can talk yeah. about that, you know, another time. We, yeah. yeah. But I read, yeah, I really love that because it's this thing of like, um, you have this personality and this drive within you where you stay curious, you consistently are answering a question, you want to know the question beyond the question, the answer beyond the answer, you know, um, <laughs> which is, which is something, I guess it's a sciencey thing. Cause listen, I'm not, I'm not even close to that. It's like, I failed so badly in science. My dad thought that I was adopted as a Ugandan father. He says, <laughs> what do you mean math and science? He's like, whose child is this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, I was like an embarrassment oh no no I was an embarrassment I, I just it was a lot he loved me and everything else but come report yeah. card day with this he just was like as a whole medical doctor he's like what is whose child is this you know <laughs> asking people where do we pick her up yeah. from oh. <laughs> yeah but 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 you would yeah. agree that it's fascinating and I, and I think to some extent even your mind even works like that. There are things that I would tell you mm. that would just blow your mind. I was listening to mm. something a couple of days ago and I found out that when we sleep, right, when mm. we're in a certain phase of sleep, I don't know if it's REM sleep or the other one, our brain sends a signal to our spine that is pretty much a signal that like that tells that, that paralyzes our bodies. So we're in a paralysis state. Mm. And that happens because our bodies, basically, we need to be able to dream and let our minds roam and wander freely. Because if you're dreaming mm. that you're a skydiver and your body is not paralyzed while you go through those dreams, mm. what's going to happen? You're going to get up, sleepwalk, go to the top of your building and jump. So it's just so fascinating, That's so mind-blowing mind how science and technology, mm. ju just even the body, like if I wasn't an aerospace engineer, I might have gone to med school. Like I really, really thought about it. Mm. Just understanding how the yeah. body works and all of these really, really amazing things and and how powerful our God is, right? Mm. You know, it's just, yeah. anyway, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, no, that is so it true. Is. I mean, just even um, in terms of like the work that you do on, on a day-to-day, -day, right? Um, because people yeah. might hear all of these things and, uh, you know, aerospace engineer, like I was speaking to somebody, like, oh, does she get into like rockets and does she go into space? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think that's what she does. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> an she's been to space. I'm like, no, she's not, you know, because, yeah. and it, you know, because it's such a, it's like the world has so much mystery around us. You know, yes. most people have the, yeah. What the idea that we have of NASA or space is like, oh, the aliens never land in, they never land in Calabar. They never land in Nigeria. They never land in Kumasi, Ghana. They never land in Soweto, South Africa. They're always in America. You know, we have like a, like a movie, a movie experience yeah. about about like you know yeah. space and and nasa and everything if you can demystify yeah. that world a little bit for us you know um just what you kind of do and um, what nasa what you what you do at nasa for yourself in your daily role so that we understand even on a day-to-day -day how it is affecting our lives beyond running away from aliens i'm just gonna of course of <laughs> course i mean it, it's i i agree that it it seems potentially even shrouded a mystery but nasa does a really excellent job of putting everything out there um, with, mm. especially with social media right now. NASA's Instagram mm. account on social media, like, I don't know whoever handles that account. Someone sent me something that had, they had posted and asked, Wendy, are you the one behind this account? I was like, I'm, I'm not the one behind this account. It was a picture of Saturn yeah. and its rings. Yeah. And the caption was, Saturn don't cook, Saturn don't clean. So tell me how Saturn got those rings. That was a Cardi B reference.
Yes, on oh the my official gosh, yeah. account. So, so, um, so th there's a lot, and so I want to tell because I'll, I'll, I'll share some of it here, but I want to tell people that it's open, you know, to just yeah. look on social media, on Twitter, the website. There's a lot mm. that they put out there, and then for people that are even more than interested, people that are potentially even looking to collaborate. There are a lot of opportunities. There's an open, there's a space apps challenge that NASA does um, each year or maybe multiple times a year. I don't know that people can participate in sort of like a hackathon, right? Um, mm. Using data. And there's a lot of publicly available open release source data that NASA has that you can just play with, mm. especially if you like to write code. You just, you know, go on there mm. and and uh, and download and see what patterns you can identify and things that you can share. But uh, NASA is both aeronautics and astronautics and aero is what you consider planes and drones and the things that we can see that fly, you know, within the Earth's mm -hmm. atmosphere. But there's astro that is like space and satellites and planetary exploration and all of that. NASA does both. So NASA is literally with you when you fly. And that's the slogan, the mm -hmm. Logan, the slogan for arrow, right? Um, from the wings of the plane and the design of the wings on the plane to the propulsions and the engines of the plane and how they're able to mm -hmm. compress oxygen and generate enough force at higher altitudes. I mean, to, to a lot of things. So I've gotten to do some really different things at NASA, some space, some aero. And right now I am on an aero project that is looking to how to enable the safe integration of what you consider drones. Mm -hmm. We just, I just call them, mm -hmm. you know, autonomous air vehicles, right? Things that can fly mm -hmm. with limited human intervention, um, how to mm -hmm. enable them to fly in our airspace. And, mm -hmm. you know, UAVs, which is those autonomous vehicles are used for a number of things from, I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think in Uganda, um, there was a study with either UAVs or satellites that a research endeavor that was teaching farmers how best to water, like when's the best time to optimize yield based on when you water your crops and when you harvest, right? Because times are mm -hmm. changing, right? We're growing mm -hmm. at an unprecedented rate. We need more food for more people. There is yeah. some change in what's going on with our atmosphere, right? Whether or not you believe in climate change, things are changing. Mm. So the things that our forefathers did, you know, to generate food for a limited number of people might not be as effective anymore. So we have to move with mm. the times. So from mm. figuring out when farmers can best plant water, mm -hmm. harvest their crops, they can optimize and improve crop yield. Um, mm -hmm. To even uh, security, right, using drone or satellite footage to understand what is happening in certain areas that are besieged by insecurity. Mm -hmm. um, just to, from a number of things, both air and space, even x-rays, right, the mm -hmm. imaging technology used in x-ray when you get your teeth x-ray. That's NASA technology. Mm -hmm. One of my favorites wow. is baby formula, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. It was NASA funded research, right? To develop the, the nutrients that go in baby formula. Because astronauts food, you know, the things that astronauts are subjected to with minimum gravity, there's a lot of research and development that goes into mm -hmm. improving and um, looking for life and other planets, mm -hmm. but also improving life here on Earth. So it's some really, really cool mm. stuff. Um, my day-to-day -day varies. Yesterday, I was up late reviewing a research paper that 
is attempting to quantify which parameters of a UAV are more sensitive to risk collision and potential mm -hmm. of colliding into something else than others, right? Which parameters do you need to know better? So it varies. And some other times we get to do fun stuff like this chat with yeah. you, Lee. That's very really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. And also just um, in terms of, uh, you know, with your book, uh, Learn to Fly, what I, you know, what I really think is just so awesome about it, that it's not just for people who want to like actually fly you know it there's so many yes. life there's so many lessons things that you can apply in your life i mean even the shirt that you're wearing everything is for everyone you know it's something that comes through yes. quite strong in terms of <laughs> who you are and your book and and everything you know if you can just like just you know come you speak a little bit about that because the world has opened up a lot but in in the areas of like stem uh you know you don't see a lot of um you don't see a lot of african women or you know africans in that world you know globally right. and i think that you know people need to just know that look the opportunities are there you know so if you can speak into that yes yes i think for me it's important to demonstrate that the opportunities are there people know this people can find this if you look you will find right and that's it if you mm -hmm. look you will find and i hope people remember that but also what i want to really demonstrate and show with the work that i do is you don't have to fit into a specific mold right you may not be able to answer the questions or uh, figuring out how to survive on Mars. But sometimes it's enough to be able to ask the right questions. I was a curious child and I'm still a very curious person. So yeah, no, Lee, I agree completely in that it's important to demonstrate and communicate that opportunities are there. And people know mm. that and you can just Google. If you look, you will find, just Google like mm. curious. Are there opportunities mm -hmm. at NASA for an international student? Yeah. What can I do with, you know, with open source, publicly available NASA data? Mm -hmm. Can I be an aerospace engineer even if I don't like math? Google anything and mm -hmm. you see that someone somewhere has written something that could help or guide you on your journey. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, what's so important to communicate as I really try to with the book is not just that there are opportunities, but that there isn't a mold that you have to fit in to get into a specific mm. space, right? You mm. might be brilliant at math and science, and you might be able to figure out how to put a man or a woman on the moon, or you might just be genuinely curious and ask the right questions, mm. And sometimes asking the right questions and having that curiosity can propel you, can drive certain things because you get curious, you start to read, you start to look things up. You might start to draw parallels. And that's why we talked about the DJ thing. The thing with me and music in my mm -hmm. head is I hear a song, I hear a beat, and I draw parallels with other things. And I made a mix once, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm like, that seems like it could fit into this song and so I'm so impressed and my mind is so blown when I hear certain mm. compositions that DJs have made with like mm. certain beats or with certain lyrics so sometimes it's in being able to identify the patterns and that's why when you get a degree in STEM mm. you can work anywhere I mm. talk in the book about um, turning down an internship offer with the CIA wow. literally yeah. I, yes, yes, I met someone from the CIA and talked and, and it seemed great. And, you know, I, the person that I initially talked to had a major in math, a math major. And mm. you're, I wondered what would 
the CIA want mm-hmm. with someone that is an aerospace engineer, but it's in that ability to see and identify patterns. It's in that mm-hmm. ability to um, understand and prognosticate, which is like, when will something go wrong? It's like, you know, you go to the doctor and they tell you, oh, your teeth, you need to, you know, get rid of this cavity because in a year, right? Is, this is not you're gonna now have to have a root canal so that ability to yeah that ability to look ahead and prognosticate it's it's those abilities that stem really like doing a degree in science technology engineering or mathematics really give you right how can i see these mm-hmm. patterns and parallels and use the information the questions that i have the answers that i answer for the greater good how can i make a change mm-hmm. in something mm-hmm. right how can i use this and develop an answer create an answer um that mm-hmm. that no one has so everything is for everyone and there isn't a mold. So if you're struggling or if you're not sure if something's for you, just remember that there isn't a mold and there are certain things that you can bring to the table independent of who you are. Yeah. Oh gosh, I really love that. And you know, it's even just so inspiring to me because you just have to also think like when you're saying it's not a mold, you almost have to be able to think outside of the box and to find a different way to create your own path. Right. Cause everybody's is here. Right. Like God puts us on earth for different purpose, a different path. And you've got to just find your way around that. Um, you know, um, Wendy, one of the things about you, um, you know, is that you really are, you're almost like a bridge for, um, people in, you know, for, for people in the STEM fields, um, uh, and those who are based in Africa, let me say, and for people in in the United States and nonprofit organizations and so forth. So I'm um, just from seeing a lot of your work. I'm not going to act here like, oh, Wendy's my girl. It's like, not yet, not yet. She'll cook for me soon, but not yet. But, <laughs> but you know, it's like, yeah, you know, like you, you really are. I mean, even from watching all of your talks, you're so passionate. Like when you're around, like when you're around children, when you're around, like, you know, students, you really are so passionate and you have this thing about teaching and, and so forth. And so I had an idea, um, as I mentioned, to you uh, in, in in Ethiopia, there's a school called Labawe International Academy, right? And the students from this academy are incredible. So we're talking about like the top one percent in terms of um, them being at the bottom, like financially, economically, um, in 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 Ethiopia. But they also are the top one percent in terms of intellect. So it's 105 mm-hmm. students who come there. It's a it's a it's an international academy. It's fun. It's you know they they get funders and donors to be able to help them. And once they finish with that academy. Um, studying they basically get placed internationally in different schools so when I met okay. some of the students in 2018 I was so impressed because different people go there for mm-hmm. summer camps and so forth so I got <laughs> in touch with the school um, and there were some questions hello Dr. Rebecca my name is from the Biotechnical Academy in South Ethiopia in my question for years uh, what kind of personality did you have in your 18 or 17s and uh, did you did you really have like your Okay, that's an interesting question that I haven't gotten in those exact terms before, so I'm I'm happy to answer it. Mm -hmm. I was a quiet child, and I didn't come into my own till I was about 13, right? Mm -hmm. So I was the third, I had two older sisters, and I, you know, watched them a lot, wanted to be like them and learn from them, and they were strong and big. And I was, I, I didn't talk much. So I came into my own about 12, 13, I would say. And then I mm. developed a very sharp mouth. Like I, you know, I, yeah. yeah, talk sharp, you know, whatever. Um, and then 17, 18 was like my first years in um, college. I was very mm. attentive. Mm-hmm. 
I liked to listen um, mm. a lot. And I, I liked to have fun, like at party and do whatever I needed to do with my friends. But because I paid a lot of time mm. listening, paying attention, um, mm. I think that that was a better use of my time in terms of optimizing my time. So I didn't have to spend as much time learning what they had already taught me in class because every single thing out of my professor's mouth, I got. I paid it. I would not, yeah. you know, be distracted in any manner whatsoever. So, um, so my first couple of years of college, just kind of laying out the land, paying a lot of attention, and um, that personality now, maybe that listening or that ability to pay attention. I think I, God has blessed me with a spirit of discernment. Right, I'm yeah. typically able to discern people, mm. um, wow. intentions, and character. Mm. and that talking is the reason I'm here on this podcast today. I love to tell stories. I love to explain the things I know simply enough for anyone to understand it. And I Mm. feel like if I cannot do that well enough, then I have failed. If I cannot explain Mm. it simply enough, then I have failed. So Mm. the talking and the listening, I feel like, yeah, that's why I'm here. Thank you for the question. And hopefully I get to meet you in person at some point. Hello, Dr. Wendy Okruye. My name is Nuhani Talayla. I am from Ethiopia and studying at Labour International Academy. My question is, how did you break free from societal pressure and decide to study a STEM major? So I didn't, I didn't have much societal pressure with STEM. I didn't have people, only one, and I allude to that in the book, What when I was six. Yeah, when I was six, that my teacher thought it was funny that I wanted to be an engineer, and she laughed at me, and the whole class left with her. Right? I, she she thought it was a joke, mm. and that was the only one that I can really recount in my childhood where someone thought it wasn't a good thing that I would want to be an engineer. Mm. But mm. you know, I told talked to my mom about it, and she she gave her. <laughs> you know, you know how friends. So she gave her like, hey, don't that who is that, or does she know? Don't mind how, you know, kind of thing. So, um, yeah. uh, but generally people weren't, they were not, they were just mildly surprised when they would hear I want to be an engineer mm-hmm. as a young girl. They were not negative about it. They were not pessimistic about it. They were just fascinated like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, so you like math and okay, hmm, okay, cool, mm-hmm. you know, and so. Uh, they they found it fascinating. I didn't I didn't have the societal pressures of, oh you're gonna be a wife a mom you can't do engineering. Mm. I had support mm. with that. I had support from my tribe, my family, my parents were a hundred percent for it. In fact, they mm. put it in my head. My parents put engineering in my head mm. before I could even spell the word. Mm. So, um, but I just in case you don't have that support, remember that you have to do things for you. If it's something you want to study, if it's something that interests you, you should 100% go for it. It is one of the most Mm. rewarding careers. It Mm. is one of those things that makes you feel good. You're making a difference in the world. Mm. You're doing something that you will be very successful at, especially as a black woman. Um, Mm. And those people are not going to pay your bills if they tell you to do something else. So Mm. do what you want go for it and you can still do whatever 
it's up to you. And that's what feminism is about, right? You have the choice and the ability to choose what you want to do. I am an aerospace engineer at NASA Ames. I have a patent. So I'm an inventor. I am an author. I have multiple publications. And I'm a wife and a mother. And that's okay. Mm. That's okay. Yeah. I love that. And I, even, you know, when you say that you, you being an inventor, your whole Igbo name, is it Awale? Let me, I'm yes. embarrassing myself. I'm not being like, yes. did I get it right? Yes, yes. Right? Yes, it's Awale. Hey, yes. Hey, yes. Hey, yes. Hey, oh, hey, that's hey. really good. See, see well, look at, <laughs> look at them. Look at them. What is this? Yeah, I like the story behind how um, you actually became an inventor. It was through somebody that you were, I think you were mentoring the person, um, which yes. really just tells, it's just the power of like exchange and you never know who's going to open the door. And I know you're also an advocate for people of, of always remembering that they're people who are going to be advocating for you behind doors that you may not even be able to enter into. So if you can just, um, you know, just share a bit of that story. Yes, exactly. And and part of it is also that discernment and judging mm -hmm. and being able to understand and see people's character and intentions. All of my mentors mm -hmm. and my mentees, the ones that I'm cool with and people I have relationships with, our relationships are so organically, mm -hmm. like so organic. I have a mentor who's like a big deal that when we link up and I'm in her office, we should be chatting professional academic stuff, like serious stuff. We do that for like five, 10 minutes and she'll hold me, my feet to the fire. Like, what are you doing? What's the update with that promotion and what's going on? But other times mm. we talk about food, Jamaican food, exercise, cycling, skiing, yeah. lifting. Like I picked up running. We talk about all kinds of things, right? And so that's the benefit of having the most organic natural relationships and friendships with people. The person that designed the cover mm -hmm. for my book was one of my mentees. I was a resident assistant when we were in university. And yeah. she did it and she told me in exchange for that cover design, she wants some jollof rice. I'm like- You're joking. Not kidding. I'm like, say nothing, right? But we have a relationship. Every, I mean, everyone mm -hmm. that's affiliated with that book, it's just a great relationship. So I mentored the student who is now full-time at NASA on this NASA project. And he had had a patent. He'd gone through that process before with, you know, his professor. And it was his idea and his legwork with the paperwork and all of that. So because we did the work, we're proud of it. I've done so many cool things, but I've never thought, oh, turn this into a patent, file this, you know, have the NASA legal go through the process of filing this as an actual patent and getting your invention like on paper and disclosure and all of that. Mm. It was his idea to go through that process. And he was like, he's familiar with it, he's done it before and it, it'll take nothing for him to do that. And he did all of that paperwork and legwork that I didn't even know how to navigate. And it went through and exactly a month ago, it was like officially official. We got the like declaration and all that. And I'm seeing the names on there and it has like my evil name there. And it's something I didn't even think about, you know, I, I didn't think about, right. You start out again. I was always focused on the next thing. Oh, get good grades, do this, do that and graduate and get a good job. I didn't think about, oh, I want to be an aerospace engineer at NASA one day with a patent. It's good to have those mm -hmm. dreams. It's okay. It's good, right? Mm -hmm. But it's okay if you don't have those dreams. It's okay if you mm -hmm. don't know. Don't let anyone mm -hmm. that tells you, oh, you don't have a 10-year plan. You're not going anywhere. No. Mm -hmm. 
It's okay to not know. It's okay to take it one day at a time. But every day that you take it, you show up and you do the absolute best that you can with consistency, with diligence, and with intention. Okay. End of end, yeah. end of rant. <laughs> No, yeah. I really, you know what? I really have goosebumps when you're saying that because it's so often everybody's like, Oh, what's your plan? Where are you going? And you know, for me personally, more often than not, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm where God wants me to be as the opportunities open. I'm going to follow that path and I'm going to get to where I'm going to get to, you know? Um, because you exactly. know, sometimes man makes, makes plans and God is laughing at us and he, and often more often than not, he's taking us to even greater places, you know? Exactly. Um, when, exactly. Yeah. And, and and even just with regards to your book, um, just the idea, the decision to write the book, because um, you, you, you had never thought that you were going to be, I mean, you, you never actually thought you were going to be working at NASA, number one. You never thought that you were going to be an inventor, but you also never actually, or did you actually think you were going to be an author? And what was the driving decision be, be, you know, behind actually writing the book? Why did you feel it was so important for you? So I, the book, I started thinking about that book in 2019, I believe. And mm. it, it wasn't even I started thinking about the book in 2019. It was that the demand for it started to rise in 2019. The reason I wrote that book mm. was literally popular demand. I was getting the mm. same questions from people all around the world, from people that I couldn't reach mm. myself, from people I can't, I, you know, I get requests to talk to this one student in, you know, Singapore and this student in Brazil and this, and I cannot, you know, it would be great to give every single individual person my time, but I can't do that. It's not, but I can't mentor everyone. I can't speak to everyone. And sometimes when I get a group, mm. a group of people, I would get asked, can you speak to a larger group or is that too much? Like, is it okay if they make it a thousand students? I'm like, yes. The more, the merrier. Make it as many. You can solve the questions from three to five, but I'm not a, oh, it only has to be 10. Oh, it only has to be 15. Get 5,000 mm. of them in an auditorium. I'm fine with that, <laughs> you know? Mm. So it was popular demand based on the requests that I kept receiving, the questions I kept getting. And I was like, okay, I want to put everything. And I put, I held nothing back in terms of what I think, you know, people need to be resilient and successful, particularly in STEM. I held nothing back. Mm -hmm. I put everything in there that I will tell my children. I'm making my children read that book. I'm going to make my children read the book like just that. because yeah. I'm not going to remember every single thing that they need to know as they navigate. But it's like, hey, here's your, mm -hmm. your guide. Read it and yeah, remember yeah. that you have it. Yes, read it and remember that you mm -hmm. have it. So, um, so it was really popular demand based on requests and questions. But then all kinds of people read the book and loved it, right? The person I used to work with at the Air Force Research Lab in 2010, 2011, 2012, who is a retired engineer, you know, that worked at the Air Force and knows the people mm -hmm. that designed, you know, the jet engines and things like that. He read it mm -hmm. and emailed me this long review of how much he loved it and how it resonated with him mm -hmm. and, and the things that it reminded him of. It was very nostalgic for him. This is an mm -hmm. older white man who found mm. that he could relate to the book and find the different pieces of it nostalgic. So really everything is mm. for everyone. Everyone. Yeah, definitely. You I know, see what you um, did there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But long story short, yeah. it was popular demand. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. And even while you're writing the book, um, I know that you're running out of time, but you know, even while you were writing the book and everything, um, it was written over the period that you were on maternity leave. And and also, um, you know, something I had wanted to touch on was just your relationship with your sisters and with your family. It's so obvious that you're your like as you describe it, your tribe and the people that surround you surround you are so solid. But even at the time when you were getting to finish the book, you lost your dad, you had a newborn, and you know, and and I and I wanted to know if you would care to share that story because I think sometimes you know we are going through so much disaster and every one of us goes through devastating things but it's like even then life is still moving on so if you can just navigate how that whole experience was for you and just the drive to actually finish and to keep going with the book even when you were dealing with life and death literally side by side yes nothing has humbled me like birth Mm. and death Mm. nothing has humbled me the thing that has humbled me the most is death it has caused Mm. me to question and face my own mortality it has caused me to be Mm. cognizant of how limited and how fragile our lives are and how fragile our bodies are beautiful and amazing i talked about god's omnipotence in our creation but our bodies are still Mm. so fragile my father Mm. was killed by a drunk driver Mm. literally he ran into his car and killed him and when i you know got the information of what happened basically his aorta like the large blood carrying vessel was ruptured from you know i mean from that kind of impact and i'm like we're so fragile right our bodies are so Mm. fragile that It's very humbling to think. And birth humbled me too, you know, the birth of my two kids, which was a beautiful experience, right? I'm one of those moms that, oh, you know, no epidural, I want to go through it. And I did, right? I went through, I felt everything. I felt everything. I'm one of those, like, what, you know, I, I, it's maybe the sciencey part of me too. I want to feel everything. I want to understand. I want to, you know, it's, it's natural. So I went through that twice and going into this year, Mm because my, my second child was born last year, going into this year, my, I was telling myself, there's no time, just do it now, you know, just do it now. So mm-hmm. the website got set up, everything. So that's why people are able to reach me more easily this year, January, you know, all mm-hmm. of that. February, a month after that, I, you know, I was working on the book, it was pretty much done, having it with an editor and everything. February, a month after, you know, my website goes live, my father is taken tragically from us. I was exclusively mm-hmm. breastfeeding my second child mm-hmm. and dealing with this grief. And it mm-hmm. was horrible. It was horrible. And I um, started out this year saying there was no time. That accelerated it for me. Because Mm -hmm. the pursuit of perfection is really one of our biggest enemies, right? Waiting till this thing is absolutely perfect before I release it into the world. So when I lost my father, I was like, I'm not waiting for perfection, it's done. The book is done. It's good enough. I'm releasing it into the world. And I released it and I dedicated it to him because one of his favorite things to say was when the going gets tough, the tough mm-hmm. get going. He would say mm-hmm. that to me every time. I mean, during COVID, mm-hmm. when I was in meetings, because work increased for a number of us with the ability to work remotely mm-hmm. and all these never ending meetings. And so when he called me and I'm like, daddy, all these meetings, I'm working. And he's like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. When the going gets mm-hmm. tough, the tough get going. 
He would say that over mm. and over and over and over and over again. And mm. when the going got really tough for me, the tough mm. got going this year, I put the book out into the world. I dedicated it to him. And it's been really learning to fly ever since then. Mm. Mm. I really love that. And thank you very much for just, you know, really sharing with that. I think that it's so powerful. And, you know, I just do hope that from this conversation, people realize that as ma- as amazing and um, and as gifted and as hard as if you've worked in so many things, you literally are just like the person next door. Like you're the person next door. You're the person who is just doing what you can and trying, you know? Um, Because I think so often the world just puts people up there and they seem like, oh my gosh, you've got to be extra special, you know, (laughs) Um, to be able to do certain things. And sometimes you just have to do it and put it out in the world. You just have to go for it, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. which is something that I, yeah, which is what I, one of the things that I really did get from, from your book, you really have this thing where you're just like, look, just do it, just try, you know, just exactly. kind of go ahead with it. And I think that's so powerful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the worst you can hear is a no, the worst you can hear is people don't, you know, people don't like it. Yeah. And, you know, and I, yeah. I had beta reviewers review the book before I put it out into the world and their feedback just, mm told me it was time in fact one of them when I got her review and what she thought about it and how Mm. much she enjoyed reading it she's retired now worked at NASA the former chief of Mm. staff and director of partnerships and said she was Mm. going to add it to her repertoire of you know of books to to give to people to give to people and to encourage people to read I got that feedback from her and I looked Mm. at my husband and I said I knew that I was making a book that was useful the intent was to make a useful book a book that would help people, a Mm. book that would help them Mm. succeed and be resilient. What I didn't know that Mm. I made a book that people would like. Mm. And I asked him, I was like, babe, what if they like it? What if they like it? Mm. What if they actually like the book and enjoy reading it? What if it's not just Mm. a useful book? What if they like it? And it turns out people like it too. So, you know, my friends were messaging me like, oh, I've been laughing since. Someone said, I can't put this book down. Like, because it's funny, it's useful, it's inspiring. And it's also designed to equip. It's not just designed to inspire and say, you can do it. It's more like, you Mm. can do it. And this is how you do it. Yeah. And now, um, Wendy, just in closing, so because you're a DJ, oh, please, what is it? Well, if you're, you're, you're at a party, right? In your dreams, in your dreams. But dreams come true. Mm. So you're at a party, Amen. right? Uh, let's just pretend like everybody's there. Tiwa, Berna, you know, everyone. Um, DJ Uncle Waffles. Everybody is there at this party. Black Coffee, Wiz, David. And there comes DJ Wendy. Chuka, 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 like you're ready. What is the song that you're opening with? Where are you taking us? What is this journey? Ooh, what is the song that I'm opening with? This? Yeah. That's a tough one. Oh my days, this is so tough. Let me let me see if I can get some inspiration from my from my Spotify because <laughs> I'm tempted because all know, of your people are at this party. <laughs> Yeah, all the people at this party, you know, oh, that's, oh, man, that's such a tough one. I I don't know where I would start, but it would be a journey. It would be a journey that would mix Fela and Uh, some Michael Jackson and some early Afrobeats, like the tribesmen from, like, way back. Yeah. And some Kanye and some Kendrick Lamar. We need that Kendrick in there. Yeah. And some of Drake, right? 
like oh it would it would be such a journey that would fuse so many things and i can hear the lyrics in my head you know some of the you know so like <laughs> there's one there's one that plays consistently in my head there's that all i want to say is that they don't really care about us really care about all i want to say is that they don't really care about us who them be with them day i said all i want to say is that they don't really care about who them be with them day i said all i want to say is that they don't really care you know i just like oh my goodness listen where where would i even it would be a fusion be a fusion what would you say your ultimate purpose is in life i know that you you speak so much about um not even that you speak so much but it's like it's so obvious that god radiates through everything that you do so your faith yeah. is obviously really strong um your relationship uh, we didn't even get into your relationship with your sisters from what i can tell it's really dope i have that kind of relationship with my two sisters you know i'm always the one they're rescuing but it's all good yeah. uh, you know yes, let them rescue let them <laughs> yeah. help us yeah they always rescue. yeah just this week i, I called her my sister lives in abuja i said Yvonne, please just do this thing she don't even ask yes. me i say Yvonne, just do it she didn't even ask me questions she normally lectures me she just said when how i said just do it now that's all she could hear my voice she's just like let me not suffer this girl anymore you know yes, god bless that sisters. is me oh my goodness that is me that is sometimes they even those one time they looked at me like how how are you what how would you survive you don't know what the air pressure and says i don't know i don't know i don't know help me <laughs> Help, help me. I don't know. Help me. And so it, they, they really, really locked out because basically my family was able to find, we were able to find and locked out. We all locked out. They were able to find someone that just took on all of that. And that someone is my husband. Like I am, I don't have to Love be him. a responsible adult with him. I don't. Trips, yeah. car, lights, everything. I don't, I, I don't know. I would just crush your life, but I would do like in the home with food and keeping track, he allows me fully be Wendy Okola because he does the things that I would have yeah. to do. It would have been more work for me if I was single. I would have to figure out my car, inspection yeah. on gas. I don't put gas in the car. I just get in the car and go. I like. I you know, it would have been harder for me. So bitter. my sisters, <laughs> yes, my sisters, like, for sure, just did all of that stuff. And then they're like, okay, yeah. husband, here you go. Take her. You know, and it's, it's, yeah. it's worked out. It's worked out. It, it surely <laughs> yeah. has. Just done. Yeah. Future plans. Um, I have another book in my head. <laughs> and I did a kind of a demo of, of the talk for the second mm. or maybe third or fourth time, but the first time in person um, in San Francisco mm. to a room full of brilliant women in tech. And I received a standing ovation for the first time oh, yeah. last month. And that mm. was what told me it's time, that that book is, mm. is time. So for me to write that book, I need to have another baby. <laughs> because that maternity, yeah, that maternity leave is really the, you know, but who knows, who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll try to find some time and write it. But because maternity leave is great because I don't have NASA, NASA work, but I'm able to... Mm. My kids are very, they're scheduled, like they're, they work with schedules. Mm. They're very, very scheduled children. They're easy to put on a schedule. Let me, let me put it like that. Mm. So everything's on a schedule in my household and babies get on schedules too when they're, you know, a certain age. So, mm. um, so that's what I have in mind. Maybe more patents. I have more ideas on that as well. Mm -hmm. um, there are other things I want to do. <laughs> mm. So like, I'm never, I'm Love never it. bored 
I'm never bored. There are just so many things that I should be doing. There are just so many. Um, And purpose is an interesting one. Purpose is interesting because I think it it changes and we're still, as humans, I, I try not to marry myself too much to the idea of it's this one thing. And you kind of saw that with this conversation, right? It's not a, this is who I want to be in 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's it's not mm-hmm. who I want to be. It's it's not, a, I don't know. It's, this is what I'm doing excellently right now. Mm-hmm. And I have other ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's important for me to represent the whole, the wholesome, the complete Wendy, right? That is the aerospace engineer, mm-hmm. but is also mom and wife that mm-hmm. really enjoys those things too. I really do. I really enjoy um, the things that I do. Going to pick up books from the library for my three-year-old boy or mm-hmm. returning books with him um, or, you know, teaching my one-year-old head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Mm-hmm. Um or nudging my husband for date night because, <laughs> you know, babe, are we going to do date night soon? It's like, sure, you know, say less. When I got my patent um, announcement, I sent him a message. I said, babe, check this out. He's like, wow, I'm so proud of you. I'm like, are you going to celebrate me? He's like, yeah. This weekend, I'm like, no, I want a burger now. I want a burger. He's like, okay. And he went and got me my burger. He wanted to be my burger. It's like, that's what I want, you know. So I think for me, it's important to paint that whole picture. I I don't like the, if you like STEM, you're a nerd, and this is all you have to do at the expense Mm -hmm. of all these other things. That Mm -hmm. I don't consider that wholesome or godly. I think that, you Mm -hmm. know, God has put us here on earth, but it's not just, not everyone, not everyone's going to be married with kids. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I I don't agree with that. I'm going to, shirk that in exchange for this intentionally because yeah. I have to be this aerospace engineer. Yeah. No, no, I, I, you know, I don't agree with that. I enjoy being, yeah. um, being a family person with my sisters, my mother, yeah. my father before he passed, God rest his soul, yeah. my husband and my children. Yeah. I, I enjoy that. Yeah. I love that. And it's just such an example of like, I feel like it's, you know, your life really echoes living in, like you're living in alignment. I don't know how to explain it, like mm-hmm. how I feel it, but your life really echoes living in alignment, you know, because sometimes when you're not sometimes, but when you're in the right place with the right people, everything yes. just has a way of shifting in, you know, God is amazing like that. Like the way that he makes it possible for us to breathe, things can just shift in. And and I love that because I think with, with one of the things that hinders a lot of um, African women or African girls from going forward is they're like, if I do all of this, I'm never going to find somebody who's going to want to marry me. If I do this, I'm never going to be seen like that, you know, or there's this idea, like, if you're, like, a powerful woman, you can't be this other thing. And and there's also that whole flip side, you know. And I love the fact that you really are, you know, outside of the amazing work that you do, you also, as a person, you really reflect that, look, this thing is possible, you know. Um, the, the, the holistic kind of life, it's actually possible. The limitations are only based pretty much on, on who we are as individuals and, and what we believe and what we think is possible and the people who surround us more than anything. So that's one of the things that I love about you. I, you know, I don't know you much, but like you just come across as being super quirky. So I think that that's mad cool as well. I, I think I that think, you're super quirky. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I definitely got the last part of it, but I agree completely. And 
trying not to place limitations on yourself based on yeah. who will want you or who won't. And yeah. I believe that God really perfects things that concern Amen. his, you know, his beloved, right? He, he perfects Amen. things and makes them so much more beautiful. Um, just, I could, I could go on and on, but, but he's, yeah, he's perfect. And so he, yeah. he perfects things that I'm, I'm grateful for his blessings. Yeah. I am, I'm genuinely content. I'm a genuinely okay. content person. I don't want too much. That's another thing. Um, I just, I'm content. And the girls that are worried about if the man would want them, if he won't want them, my husband calls that politicking. Like just, it's too much politicking of the, just be yeah. in compliance. That's what we say, you know, on our anniversary, we said cheers. Cheers to, thank you for being in compliance. Like just... All this politicking of is she this? Is she not doing this? Is she did she cook? Did she is she a domesticated woman? Is she okay. relax, relax. Yeah. If she didn't cook yeah. yesterday, she'll cook tomorrow. Yeah, if he didn't come home on time yesterday, he'll come home tomorrow. If you looked at that girl yeah. yesterday, he won't look at her tomorrow. Relax, just relax, <laughs> just chill, but just, relax. Just, just relax, just relax. <laughs> The politic, no politic too much. Okay, he said sorry. He said sorry. Let it go. Uh-huh. Let it go. Give him that. a hug. Yeah. Go and fry plantain. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Like, you know, just relax. You know, just it's okay. It's okay because life will All throw good things real... end in food. Yeah. Yeah, life will throw real stuff at you. It'll throw real stuff at you. Don't politic yeah. over the little things, man. Life will throw yeah. real stuff, yeah. you know? So relax. It's okay. And Wendy, just the final, final question, I promise. Um, you know, obviously from the time when you started studying uh, in the US to now, the way that the world has seen Africa has evolved a lot. And a lot of it has got to do with the creative and culture sector. And it's got to do with the fact that, you know, you know, some of your favorites, Berna, and those kind of people have really been blowing up and showing the world about African culture. You know, it's kind of cool. And especially in Nigeria, you guys, uh, along with South Africa, are the countries that are kind of driving this change of how the world sees Africa. Do you feel it differently now? Like, you know, before, were you always part of being like, I'm Nigerian? And now are you more like, I'm Nigerian? <laughs> you know, like, do you feel it yeah. more? Like, is it in your bones more? Yeah, so I've I think with me and my personality and attitudes, they remain the same. I'm I think I've always been a bit more reserved with certain things. People identify that I'm Nigerian African through my name, um, my accent when yeah. I share it, but primarily through music. because yeah. um, yeah. I'm a music head, I you know, I play African music when I, you know, but I share it with people that know me personally, right? So even at work, mm-hmm. right? I was telling them I had got allergies and I didn't have allergies before because I'm Nigerian. So work people, they know, they know, right? People that know me know, it comes out. But I don't, um, I'm not, I may not be as vocal with it publicly, but I'm generally not as vocal with a lot of things publicly. That's just me. However, I've seen that shift in the way we're treated, particularly mm-hmm. by uh, black people uh, in America. Now it's yeah. more accepted to identify yeah. as being someone that was from the continent of Africa, like that can trace their time to being mm. back there recently versus mm. honestly, when I first moved here, we didn't get that kind of love and treatment. We didn't. Yeah. We black yeah. African, you know, we didn't. We, we, we Are they lions? We yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you. I yeah. got 
the way these kids that laughed at my accent one time and I was friends with them. They laughed at me one time in undergrad. I don't know what I said and they burst out, these guys burst out laughing. Yeah. I, and my feelings were hurt. I was like, wow, y'all go to me like this. <laughs> you know, like I thought we were cool. So, but now yeah. it's more accepted. It's more accepted. Um, yeah. And I've, I've, I've always, nothing has changed with me because that's been who I was before it became cool. Yeah. I'm still going to eat my fried yam. I'm still going to, when I can't go to Nigeria, I'm still going to speak mm-hmm. with um, and do what I can to aid the people on the continent. And yeah. I'm still going to be African. And that's it. I love it. She's that's still going to be African. Thank you that's very me. much, Dr. That's Wendy it. Awale Okolo. Hey, let me say it again. Thank you very much, ah. Dr. So, Doctor, Doctor Wendy Awale Okolo, I'm really just yeah. I, I I appreciate your time, and I just love you know watching all the amazing thing happens, all the amazing things that you're doing, and the and everything is just like it's so awesome to be able to watch from the outside in, you know, and to also you know just being you know you being so gracious with giving a little bit of insight of who you are as a person. Um, I really hope that this you know inspires somebody and people pick up the book. And also get some of the merch, do the thing, do the right thing. Because I think, yeah, it's really, especially for people within the continent, like, yeah, you're, you're definitely one of the, the chief flag bearers, the chief, the Oga flag bearer. <laughs> Thank you so much, <laughs> Wendy, for your time. Thank you, Lee. Thank you for having me. You are just too cute and we have to talk some more. We need to do better, Lee. <laughs> Definitely. Evolution doesn't see what is working well. Evolution only comes through because life is happening. And so at the time, you know, that abrupt end of Studio 53 also kissed the beginning of my family life. 